0: Drive by Cinema Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun
1: Okay, it's episode three of series two of Drive by Cinema Ow! This is Paul, my co-host Yes,
0: I am, I can confirm that And this is Richard, my co-host too Oh, it's a big love in here Let's get down to it Episode three, Richard, what have we got? on for us tonight. Listen, corrections and omissions oh, first. Oh okay. Let's let me just backpedal down that sorry little alleyway.
1: <laughs> Grow back
0: stronger and everything like that. Yeah. Okay. So so now some
1: needling observations on our part. Exactly, needling because last uh in the last episode about Grizzly Man. Ah Grizzly Man. Great movie. Very little is left of Timothy Treadwell. <laughs> But one thing that was left was his much wanted Casio G-Shock, G-Shock. Watch. and I pulled you up on this last week. But perhaps I didn't. I, I, I didn't double down on it. I didn't go hard. Oh, okay, so you. this is not going to be a humility on your part, Richard. this kind of you correction. said, you said, you said that they were kids watches, or they started as kids watches. No, they didn't. They were always serious, quite sober looking watches. G-Shocks. The first G-Shock was very nondescript looking if slightly larger, chunkier watch than normal. Admittedly, in nineteen eighty three, I think, when the first G Shock watch came out. You wanted one, didn't you? No, most people wanted a fancy dressy watch, a bit more subtle. Timex. But over time
0: <laughs> Seiko <laughs> Classy Seiko.
1: Gold Effect. Fifty nine ninety nine Woolworths <laughs> But over time they gained in popularity you see especially as they got chunkier and they had more functions on them and then they became like super chic and rappers had them and stuff and you know you know the whole point about them is that they suspend the quartz movement bit in a sort of shock absorbing kind of cradle that's why they're kind of chunky because they've got the shock absorbers at the corners i see and that's you can actually you know throw them at walls and stuff and drop them. And they, they carry well, on working. They were designed. the The guy designed them. He did it after he dropped an, a pocket watch, an old fashioned pocket watch, and it smashed. Yeah, you know, there were thousands and thousands.
0: Um, the 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 digital watch has a very interesting history. I, I think uh, Sinclair was one of the first guys to recognise the on, <laughs> the oncoming onslaught of the, the Japanese manufacturers, and so he tried to you know. Create a homegrown variety. Have you seen the Sinclair watch?
1: Yeah, it's, it's famous. famous, isn't it? It's because famous because you had to press a button <laughs> to see it, it the It had, had a very, very power-hungry
0: bright. display. Very bright LED red display. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so well, it wasn't LEDs, was it? It was like plasma discharge. I think it was things. light bulbs, actually, or something. Yeah. So seven-segment display type things. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't be on all the time. So you'd have to hold it up, and it had a big button. <laughs> You'd press it and it would light whilst you held a button so you could see the time and apparently people didn't want to do that with a watch but my granddad who was an engineer you know he, he had an engineering firm in Watford. he had a Sinclair calculator which I wish I still had. They were rather
0: good and they did challenge Japanese in some respects I think
1: it was for cool. a short time. Yeah I, I used to love playing with that thing. In better news Adam pointed out and Adam, remember, suggested Fermat's room to us. He, by the way, should we be saying Fermat's room, or is this like Champagne and Claret? I think that would be very much like Champagne. Okay. Adam was pointing out that there are a lot of similarities between Fermat's room and Clue. Are you familiar with Clue? Well, it's uh, it's a movie like a a murder mystery. Uh, Did Adam say it was crap, i.e.? But he was pointing out that Fermat's Room takes a lot of its cues from the same thing, the way they all get invites and the way there's one guy broken down on the way and he gets picked up by another guest, also driving to the same location.
0: What is that movie where he picks up a hitchhiker who's obsessed with a number seven?
1: Uh, Well, from that brief description... (laughs) I've no no idea. the The Clue movie is is interesting because it's based on the board game. You don't get many. You don't get many films based on board. Based games.
0: on what board game?
1: Well, we call it Cluedo, but oh. in the United States of America, it's called Clue. Oh, it's based on Cluedo. Yeah, and it stars Tim Curry amongst other people.
0: And oh, now stop! I have seen this. Ah, yeah. I thought yeah. Does the dad die having had sex with his dwarf boyfriend?
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Oh, that's a different movie. I think Clue was famous because I think when they released it, I think they released it with different endings. Like there were several different versions Ooh. of the film with different endings. Yes, which Charlie Brooker Netflix out outing was
0: uh, sort of uh, divergent pathway. Oh, sort of uh, that was the Bandersnatch. <laughs> what were the Dungeons and Dragons uh, adventure storybooks called in the eighties? That we all
1: fighting fantasy.
0: But what do you see the future of uh, you know, role playing and adventure gaming? Either face to face or online. Do you see? Do you see any big uh, disruptors or usurpers coming to change the way that we do it?
1: VR, surely it's going to be VR, isn't it?
0: Um, There's but, a movie to be talked about uh, Extracurricular I was waiting for the music, poll. It's a Netflix series uh, And uh, from Korea There we go South Korea Indeed, South Korea
1: What's Extracurricular about? Whew. Well, I mean, I don't know where to begin really about this one Well, um, I can tell you what it's about I can, tell you, I can tell you this about it This is the sexiest series of Grange Hill I've ever seen <laughs> I've got to agree, yeah yeah. And like in Grange Hill, you know That was all a, a sort of morality tale about Don't do drugs and stuff, wasn't it? Well, at least
0: It is, but they was. have like newspaper society there They have like a, you know, help the ages society at Grange Hill They have these sort of after school clubs, don't they?
1: Yeah, the kind of after school clubs that You know, I could only dream of In the school I went to
0: well, in this school in, in in South Korea, they have basically one after school club, and it's the social
1: studies. Yeah, with with only one attendee at the start, ending ending up with two attendees, and at it's yes, the, the uh, at the
0: beginning the enigmatic and Mona Lisa esque uh, by or by
1: Guri Gyuri. Let's call her Gyuri
0: because you know? because four names and surnames are all mixed up over there.
1: Yeah, I know she is actually. Although we, as we find out later, she's the daughter of a rich. Uh, I think they're media moguls, aren't they? Her, her yeah, they produce boy bands, you know. Yeah, uh, or career talent or something like that. Uh, the Voice, and uh, but she's not very happy. She's being groomed into being sort of taking over the family business. She's not particularly comfortable doing this, though,
0: is she? She's very capable, obviously capable of doing it, but it's not what she wants to do. You know?
1: She is smart so. as a nut, isn't she? She's extremely clever.
0: And ruthless, you know. She's just a naturally very contained, quite ruthless young lady. Uh, and when uh, I think in the first episode, when her mother's really angering her, we see that she's got one outlet for the frustration she feels towards her parents, which is sort of scratching uh, and digging at her thumb until until the skin bleeds by the nail kind of thing. So there's obviously something, there's a, there's a volcano boiling over inside of there, and we get
1: a hint that it's, it's all going to come to the fore and explode. She does pick at her nails, doesn't she? Is that called a stepmother jag? Is that a phrase that I've just invented? It is, but only in some regions
0: of the UK. Wow. Okay. So that's our, that's our, first, uh, the,
1: that's our first protagonist. You've made out like she's the hero, but she's not the hero, really. She's... No, she's a femme fatale. In some ways, you're meant to think of her as the antagonist to the protagonist, aren't you? I mean, he treats her that way quite often. She stirs the pot.
0: She drags him through the gristmill.
1: Well, you say so, he, he. Who is the real protagonist, then?
0: So, you know, the main focus of the main protagonist, you might say the hero and the anti-hero simultaneously at this is uh, old Jiso. Or Jiso. Let's call him Jiso.
1: Now, he's in a new, what I think is an unusual situation. Though I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm very lucky. His situation is that both of his parents have left him. Or well, fobbed him onto the other, but neither cares for him. So he's kind of
0: dissolved from the family unit.
1: Yeah, I think he'd been... I don't know where his mum is. He'd been left with his dad, and his dad has pissed off somewhere else. His dad has fled the nest
0: rather than him, yeah. yeah.
1: his dad, Does his dad have a gambling problem yeah he does doesn't he he puts it immediately onto he puts all his money into cryptocurrency doesn't he at some point we'll get to that in a sec yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so he starts a bit of a fool
1: a bit of a, a bit work shy uh and a bit of a wastrel. we don't know where he is he just lives in a little apartment with a hermit crab that one, oh. one thing about this series is they're a bit heavy-handed with their symbology aren't they
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: so I see, oh, he has a hermit crab, I see, and he doesn't really socialise with people. And then for, for Guri, we see a different animal, don't we? That's I do remember it. the hermit crab gets stepped on at one point, which is quite an <laughs> alarming way to treat a pet, you know. Just as
0: saw himself is getting stepped on. <laughs> so just in case you missed what was trying to be portrayed there. But anyway, who's been dragged into his... Uh, not his homeroom, but his year tutor, your year tutor's office, uh, uh, to to discuss why he's such a perfect student. And, uh, you know, his diffidence and his conscientiousness at the age of 17 or 18 is, of is course, for concern uh, for his year tutor, plus his perfect marks. He scores, you know, a straight 100 across the board. Uh, plus the fact he doesn't socialise.
1: He gets into his head that Guri is not helping him or is you know, unlucky or bad news. And he won't shake that for a long time, for a frustratingly long time. It's quite clear that he needs to team up with her because she's, you know, way cleverer than he is probably.
0: Well, no, I'm kind of on his side here. <laughs>
1: he should never have let her into his life. Okay, yeah, so it all goes wrong when he... what What, what is he doing? What has he got nailed on here? It all goes wrong when he's brought into this, this
0: interfering year tutor's... Office and the teacher tries to joke the out, "You're too bloody perfect. There's something wrong with you." He
1: tells him to get in and, trouble once in a while. Get in trouble, and Giselle, you
0: know, doesn't really filter it in the right way. It doesn't understand. There's a level of sardonicism there, and the teacher says, "I'm just joking, you idiot. Come and join my club, and all will be forgiven." And so that's how they meet. Is he's, he's kind of, he's kind of going uh, into joining the social studies club. And boy, are they gonna study society in depth, in focus, and up close every strand and microcosm of society? They're gonna meet in the next ten episodes,
1: but not in class
0: or in the social strictly club. as it as it's called extracurricular. So they meet up that way, and um, it's obvious that he is tremblingly sweet on the girl, and uh, she likes him too. Major plot moment happens is that she discovers he has two phones, and she is intrigued.
1: What's he doing with his other phone, Paul? Well, no surprises. That's his business phone. Why does he need a business? Because he doesn't have any parents. He's got no money.
0: He has to make rent, and this is how he makes rent, by, by working and studying perfectly at the same time. and Which is why he doesn't want to have friends, you know. I mean, Korean school... I, I guess he's supposed to be bright, yeah? But even so, Korean school is a 12-hour-a-day affair. So to do that and to work, you know, he, there's no time to do anything apart from sleep in recess and sleep at lunchtime, which is what he does. But she's intrigued by it. And uh, so uh, she's, she's a clever little cookie. And Richard, I,
1: I don't remember the details, but how does she get into his business phone? We haven't explained what his business is yet, which is quite critical, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, he's a pimp. He's not a pimp. It's security, Paul. Well, he's convinced
0: he's not a pimp. She manages to tell him that he's a pimp, but I think she's wrong. I don't think he is a pimp, and he doesn't do that. He provides security and, uh, and logistic help to, to working girls.
1: Yeah, it's never really explained how he gets all this stuff set up, but he has presumably clients... I don't know whether they're coming from a web page or some adverts, but he's getting them messaging on, on an app and he puts them in touch with uh, his harem of girls. He's got four on the go already. <laughs> well, at least four, I guess. But yeah, and he takes a cup and he, he's given all the girls somehow. Again, it's not really explained how this is achieved, but he's given all the girls a little like smartwatch type thing it's actually like a tracker, isn't it? And they can... If they're in trouble, they can t- tap it and he'll get a message on his phone. And at that point, he will dispatch the... Mr. Lee. Yeah, the other guy. They call him the old guy. The girls call him He's the Rambo. Guy. He's, he's out there. He's, he's you know,
0: he's, he's a bit of driftwood that's left the army. Uh, and uh, he's tough. He's tough as anything. He's tough as old boots, isn't he?
1: Now, the youngest of the working girls... Uh, calls him old man, uh, but I've got. To, and she is supposed to be underage. But I've got to confess to you, Paul, if you asked me to tell you how old any of the people in this show were, I wouldn't have the faintest idea, because they're all Korean and they age completely differently to white people. Asian don't raisin. <laughs> so. I mean, I've, I mean, it's obvious that Mr. Lee is older than the school kids. I suppose that's completely obvious. He's a healthy 45 or 50. He's certainly, he's certainly not an old man, is he? Not the way he fights. But... We learn later that he's been in the army, hasn't he? He's probably special forces of some kind. But basically, he's the security guy. He's the heavy protection that OG can call into action if he gets... A distress call from any of his girls living out
0: the back of his truck. Now there was, there was a retrospective, wasn't there, about how he
1: and Giselle first met. Much later, we learn, yeah, that I, he was in, he was walking through an underpass, and the school, Giselle, yeah, the boy, the yeah. school bullies like pounce on him and try and try and attack him, and he was carrying a lot of money at that point. Yeah, so he must have started the business himself. Or that was money his dad had given him to keep. I don't know. It's not, it's not clear. Yeah, it's a bit unclear as to how it all started. But the bullies make him drop all the money. And this guy is a homeless guy. Mr. Lee is a homeless guy in the underpass. And he beats up the bullies and helps him pick up some of the money. And I presume at that point... That's the business partnership. That was their meet-cute. Yeah, And so they've got a good thing going. Like um, the old guy, he drives the girls around into their... Locations in his minivan she's got a bunch of stuff in the back of it, and he seems to enjoy his work, doesn't he? But one of the girls gets into a bit of trouble with a weird kinky pervert. quite a lot of trouble, Well, we don't know if it's, if it's if it's role play trouble or if it's actually going to be real trouble, do we and
0: she's too inexperienced to, to differentiate the two so
1: yeah she's underage she's actually at school, which if you think about it, it's pretty heavy carrying a cute bag and a cute little cute little mascot. Tasselled onto her back. It's a pretty dark storyline, isn't it? It's a, Even for a Grange Hill series. <laughs> but I think the idea is...
0: So he's into hair, isn't he? He's going to cut her hair off. Yeah. But there's an implication that he might be going to use the scissors to stab
1: her. Oh, the creepy weird guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So she presses the bracelet and... Mr. Lee comes. He beats the fuck out of that guy. And then gets the girl out of there. But then, guess what? Her next meeting is with him same again, guy, isn't it? Same guy. And for some reason,
0: this time he knows. He knows she's got a
1: security bracelet. Yeah. Well, she decides to go to meet him anyway, even though I don't, Why would she do that? She knows. She knows who the client is, doesn't she? OG, yeah. OG says this much later in the series. He says you went there, even though we told you that you know you couldn't go back to that. Fair game. point. The boy has a fair point. Uh, OG has to rescue her, doesn't he? And unfortunately, this particular incident corresponds with him on his first date with... Guri here. And she starts to suspect stuff, doesn't she? Because she sees him acting a bit shifty with this other phone that he's got. And he disappears into the bathroom and he doesn't come back. And she's obviously curious about what's going on with this guy. It's cute though, isn't it? She takes him to the coffee shop and he's obviously never had... Like proper coffee before.
0: That was a really cute first date. What I liked about that is when he uses his wits to to fend off this uh, unpleasant customer by calling the police to another
1: hotel room within the hotel. Uh, I don't know why he just can't call Mister Lee over. He'd given Mister Lee the day off, but Uh. he told Mister Lee to go and get his phone fixed because Mister Lee was using really old clamshell phone. That's right. Uh,
0: and they use it, nice little way of exchanging money. They use a locker in the railway station and that they'd, they'd have two identical wallets that would be filled up. That's right. And emptied. Very, really good system. You know, he definitely worked it all out. So he uses a nice technique of calling the police to the hotel room and so the customer flees. But that's a problem because it just so happens that later on, that same policewoman who sees the underage girl walk out the door as she's been called to the, as the woman has been called to the wrong room on the, on the same floor. She is later assigned to become the school liaison police officer. Oh my God, what a coincidence. And she remembers that the backpack and the cute little mascot tassel that the girl disappearing down the emergency, emergency escape stairs, uh, you know, has on her back as she escapes. So, ooh, another coincidence. Now, the story does rely, the plot hinges on lots of these kind of somewhat, Unlikely coincidences, but
1: there we go. And Guri uh, is suspicious of this other phone. So she's very clever at one point. How does she unlock it? Well, First, she sort of just swipes from his bag. She's a bit light-fingered, isn't she? We know there's a subplot going on where she's stolen some stuff from one of the girls in the class. And she's sort of selling it back to them, <laughs> but uh, she swipes his phone at one point. But it's obviously her parents will be proud. It's obviously locked the phone with a passcode. So when later when she's with him, she's given his phone back, put it in his bag again, and she, frustratingly, she can see the Doggo icon. Yeah,
0: the app that he manages the girls on is a little cute Doggo Doggo chat room,
1: and she messages him think on his other phone actually and she watches what pin code he uses and she assumes rightly i think that he'll use the same pin code on the other phone so clever girl it means that she can get hold of the business phone and start to see what the heck is going on with this guy
0: and she's not why don't you just have two sims on the same phone or three sims on the same phone (laughs) cut a very very long story story this is a long story 10 episodes and very well spun she gets into his phone, and she discovers his big secret, that he's a pimp, pretty quickly. I mean, she, she discovers. And then she starts following him to
1: his next kind of rendezvous with Mr. Lee. Is that not right? Basically, she starts helping him, work, working with him. But she screws up initially, doesn't she? It's all her fault, yeah. Well, at, at one point, one of the things that goes wrong is she's in his home. And his father hmm. turns up.
0: She's there to pry and to peep. That's again.
1: right. I, and I think she possibly found the money, didn't she?
0: Well, he knows his phone's gone missing. There's somebody blackmailing him to get it back, he suspects. It's not. It's just her, Guri, with the phone. But she's playing games with him. She's playing, you know, cute little games with him. But she's not going to blackmail him for the phone. But she wants to know his business kind of stuff. And so she goes over there. She finds the money. Hidden in rolls and scrolls, I think. But he's, he's taken flight. He's scared. Yeah, I mean, he's scared. He's going to pack up and he's going to head down to his dad's. And
1: he puts all, he puts all of the money
0: in a suitcase. That's... And then, it's unfortunate, she calls him to go and meet him and say, hey, come out to meet me. I'll give you your phone back. And so just as he's about to head off and get out the door with his money in the suitcase, he goes down to meet her. Guess what? His dad turns up at the house at the same time. Yeah. And nicks all the yeah, money. Yeah, just steals it. Shameful. She's actually in the closet all the time while this is yeah, happening.
1: Yeah. And she chases after his dad to try and get the money back, but... To no avail. He escapes. That, I thought was a beautifully spun episode, a really nice episode. Yeah. Um, so I guess she feels responsible as well now for having uh, contributed to him losing his money. And he's kind of furious. And th- this is the start of him thinking that she's like crazy bad news. And she's, you know, cost him untold quantities of money. Understandably, yeah. So, but he's got a crush on the girl. But what can you do? I mean, it's, it's a tightrope
0: to tread, isn't it? Anyway, he heads off on the train down to, or the bus down to Ulsan, uh, a secondary city in Korea, and she follows him. Uh, and they break into his dad's house. The money is all gone, seemingly. All spent on cryptocurrencies, yeah. And his dad confesses out, <laughs> under, under the baseball bat that, uh, Well, having taken a few hits from the baseball bat. Good on you, son. Well done. (laughs) Uh, uh, That, uh, yeah, it's all in cryptocurrency. Uh, He's such a fool that Guri could save some of the money, but he, you know, he refuses to and the computer gets broken and uh, all the money goes.
1: (sighs) Well, so (laughs) we then uh, have several episodes of sort of agony, really. This is probably the most difficult bit where he's trying to build the business back up and earn his money back well i mean she I mean, at this point she, she you know she's she's in on the business she knows exactly what's going on
0: and she first of all tries to help she says hey come and hit some baseball baseballs with me they go down to the nets and uh, guess who turns up all the judo the team the whole of the judo team because she's like the it girl in school she's not part of the cheerleader kind of cool crowd but she is the girl that everybody respects yeah. and these muscle hunks turn up and uh, she says look these guys are used to partying with older women they can make some money for us
1: trouble is but he's he's, he's got more now than them the, yeah in, in this sense yeah she doesn't understand the business yet because it. he's saying "We're well, security look at these guys don't need they don't need his services they don't need Mr Lee because they're their own security yeah
0: now, Mister Lee has stopped working because you know Jisoo's in all kinds of financial trouble. He can't
1: pay Mister Lee's his share. Geary is offering the money to pay Mister, but he's too proud to take the money, which is infuriating. Just take the take the money, man. Geary's going to help you out. She can <laughs> she can bankroll this. She can bankroll it. She does a lot more things
0: later on we'll discover. Anyway, the Judo guys, guys don't take up on the messaging spams that they, they send them. But at this time, the policewoman from the original hotel raid turns up as the school liaison police officer to walk the halls of their high school. And uh, her nickname is Smiling Bitch. <laughs> so... So imagine that in the UK, you know, uh, that would be, I think the police commissioner would lose his job on that one day. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, she's a no-nonsense lady. And uh, although she's calm and kind in a kind of not very kind police way, uh, concerned, she has a concerned social worker side to her. Uh, you know that she's going to get to the bottom of anything. You know, she's very persistent, very dogged.
1: Yeah, her partner is really kind of world-weary and exasperated that she's actually doing a job. Meanwhile, you know... He's like saying, you know, he's like saying,
0: fill in the boilerplate forms, (laughs) go home, stop making my life difficult. And you have
1: to sympathise with it. She's hunting, you know, for underage child prostitution kind of uh, arrangement. And I think... Og is the, the, the weird thing is, Og seems to know uh, the girls that are working for him, but they don't know him. They've never seen him. They call him Uncle, and he only ever he has a he, voice.
0: I, he has a voice coder, vocoder. You know, he uses
1: a voice changer, so they've never heard his voice. Hey, do you know? Uh, do you know about the AI systems they've got now that can just listen to some of your voice and then simulate your voice perfectly? That is crazy. I'm not sure I want to know. About well, they only that. need like about five minutes. So, I mean, you and me, we've got now over like 50 hours of our voice on podcast. Attention, listeners! We'll be typing <laughs> our next webcast. Yeah, so should anyone want to impersonate either of us with an AI, they could they could do so easily. I should tell my bank that, shouldn't I? Don't <laughs> don't take any calls from me. It, there are services actually for podcasters for producers of podcasters where they can feed in their presenters' voices and then if they need to make any edits or changes to the podcast, they can just type in what they want the presenter to say, put it into the AI system, and it will speak in, you know, your voice, Paul, when we're doing the edits. Wow. So, Paul, cut a long story short, the twists and turns of this series beautifully spun. They wind up in a bit of hot water with a real gang of... You can say that again. ...brothel owners. How does that happen? Well,
0: uh, Guri's idea of uh, compensated dating or hookering uh, of the judo club doesn't come to fruition, but she has a really good idea, uh, which is, you know, her parents run a talent company uh, to produce boy bands or something like that. And Tay Rim is one of the struggling boy band wannabes. He comes third in the competition, looks very dejected, but he's good looking and she has a great idea. You know, he's not a big, tough guy. He's on his own and he's, and her parents are about to fire him. So she has a word and says, hey, would you be interested in some compensated dating? And he says, yes. Well, he gets his first job. It goes okay. Uh, and then he gets a few jobs down the line. He gets a call from the female runner of a karaoke, which is actually a front for the brothel, which, uh, I mean, he's sisters in uh, in you know in escorting have holed up in since they've stopped working with with our protagonist he turns up there and for some reason her husband or her boyfriend finds out about it uh, and is absolutely furious now uh, these are real gangsters and uh, he just uh, he just tapes the entire hotel room with uh, with plastic bags and, and uh, masking tape. And invites, you know, this uh, this failed boy band star to what seems to be another date and then confronts him. Did you sleep with my wife? Kind of thing. The real gangsters enter into the storyline and for some reason, you know, he's about to hatch it quite comically, <laughs> quite darkly and comically, uh, this young boy to death. And uh, Mr. Lee turns up to save the day. But in any case, now Doggo the system is very much on these two gangsters' radars because he's he's feverishly jealous and he wants to find out the guy, the, the young guy that slept with his girlfriend's or wife.
1: I just, we just need to talk briefly about the weird tone shifts in this series. The way, times, you know, it is a bit like Grange Hill, quite a lot of it. Uh, it's a bit like a sort of rom-com with these two getting to know each other. Uh, and it's cute and sweet. And then it's also like a slasher yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's also a comedy. It's like a black comedy. Because those those gangsters are played really broad. Like the, One of them is played really, in a really comic way. Well, they both are, I suppose, really. They're like a, a comic duo.
0: They, they are comic and terrifying by turns. I thought it was really well played. Because, I mean, they, they may be terrifying you know. because they're comic.
1: But they are literally like threatening yeah. to cut people's limbs off, and, and presumably murder them ultimately. It you get kind of tonal whiplash watching this. Refreshing, I don't know. Is this, is that a Korean hallmark? Though I couldn't. The other thing that I I, I thought was going to happen when I saw the judo guys, I presume there would be male escorts but dating men. Um, but that didn't happen. I guess in Korea where they've got like host bars and stuff. Uh women paying for male companionship is more it's just more common than than it would be elsewhere.
0: Well, I mean karaoke or Nore Bang, as it's called in Korea. A PC bang is the name for internet cafes, which are still a thing out there.
1: Yeah, and they appear in this quite a lot, don't they? They're always in the, the gaming cafes, I presume.
0: Well, when I, when I turned to, to working career, I didn't, I didn't get myself Wi-Fi because it's just so complicated to get if you don't speak the language, or a, a mobile phone for, for ages. So I spent a lot of time in PC bangs, uh, and yeah, I mean it's a huge industry out there. Uh, but the Nori bangs are, are, you know, the singing shops, and often they're a front. Not always, but often they're a front for, uh, for prostitution or for, uh, entertainment and escorting services, either girls. So it's an extension of the whole karaoke culture, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point was that it seems there seems to be a greater social acceptance of women paying for that service than there would be. That's because all this social socialisation is done in a closed box room. You see, it's not like
0: a pub. When we think of karaoke in England, it's you know standing on the bar in front of two hundred strangers belting out you know your favorite your favorite tune, quite comically. I mean. Karaoke is quite a serious thing out there. You go to sing, you know, you you go to belt out your favorite songs, but sing them well in front of a group of 12 or 14 friends, close friends. So it's all done with private boxes, you know. Uh, And they bring in, you know, a decorated fruit plate, you know, with a watermelon cut out in the the shape of a dragon or a ship or whatever. And the beer all arrives in buckets of ice kind of thing uh and it's it's quite a nice way to socialize. Classy, position,
1: You're saying right? it's classy. wouldn't say it's classy. Watermelons yeah. in the shape <laughs> of a dragon, Paul. Yeah, that kind it's of thing. classy. I had a friend who I had a friend in China who used to do that as his job, and he could really do them quickly. He could do it in about oh, three right, minutes, just knock them out. Do you? So it looks classy, but it's, it's like you know, it's like folding it's, a, a napkin into a swan. Is it? It is. Yeah.
0: It's something you can do quickly once you've done it once you've done it a thousand times. But I mean, I wouldn't say classic because often you know they'll have waterproof. The whole room will just be just thoroughly waterproof. You know, the vinyl practical, on the seats will
1: be there. Practical.
0: Practical. You just hose a thing down because, of course...
1: I've got to commend you on your depth of research here, Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, Korea's difficult because, of course, soju, their, their relatively weak rice wine, which is what, 20, 21%, 22% by volume, costs a dollar a dollar a bottle and it is sweet and it, it, it tastes yeah, like flavoured water. Yeah, yeah pop, And you can mix it with anything. Uh, so it, it does mean, although the markup is huge in, in these places, you know, you pay $8 for it, it's still ridiculously cheap, you know, uh, compared to what you pay back here. So it's a very economical
1: way of socialising. Uh, what happened to the Possibly mythical idea that uh, Asian metabolism can't handle alcohol.
0: I I think it's, what, 40% of most East Asian populations don't have the enzyme. Alcohol breaks down on a two-stage process, uh, and uh, a large number of East Asians in the population don't have the second enzyme to take it from the stuff that gives you hangovers. Into the stuff that we excrete, excrete, excrete.
1: So that, does that mean that they get drunker, or stay drunker, or? Well, you call it drunk, but poised. it's you know, you know, huge,
0: a huge, overwhelming feeling of being overheated, a flushing face, swelled eyeballs, and a rotten, rotten headache. Oh. But of course, I mean, in 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 these cultures, drinking for face and drinking for business is very important. So, you know, and most East Asians, until about 20 years ago, weren't aware of their their alcohol intolerance, that proportion of the population. So they would imagine that being drunk felt like that for everybody and that other people were enjoying it. (laughs) <laughs> uh but these days like i've got I, i've got one friend uh, in the south of china and he's realized that he can't drink alcohol and he doesn't drink anymore but i remember you know 10 or 12 years back he would be there you know drinking three or four pints of beer or that kind of thing which is if, if you are alcohol intolerant is is a dangerous amount of alcohol to be drinking but the other 60% or 70% are you know Possess the enzymes, and I'm just as capable of drinking as anybody else.
1: All right, well, uh, not much drinking takes place in this, does it? Really, I don't think they. Uh, no, it's all business. Yeah, and yeah. they're underage anyway, presumably.
0: Well, like I say, in small town career that isn't small town career that isn't necessarily an impediment, but they're in Seoul, uh, and they've got a school police liaison officer, so maybe it's different so
1: This series does not have a happy ending. It's very bingeable, by the way you know, you told me about it and I think I watched it all within a week uh, and I, I you know, I wanted to do it quicker than I I ended up doing it but, you know, I had to go to sleep and things but in the end not a happy story is it, ultimately there's no, the boy band, the boy band member at
0: Deuterium is, you know, lured and therefore discovered by the gangster and therefore Mr. Lee comes into the fray and, and by all that the gangsters get hold of Jiso. And kidnap him. Uh, and uh, he's held to ransom in their karaoke bar. Uh, and uh, uh, all kinds of nonsense
1: happens. Yeah, but he has to be rescued by Gyuri, initially, who does, sort of does a deal with the gangsters. But I'm just saying, this whole hostage-taking is, is really comic. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. Uh, again, it, it treads that line between really dark and amusing. But ultimately... Um, they do start to chop his shoulder do, off, yeah, don't they? They got the saw out. Ultimately, there's a massive fight in the brothel because the school bully. They cleverly, I think, it, Guri cleverly arranges it so that he is going to wind up thinking that his girlfriend is being, which she was actually, she was the underage prostitute. Uh, so he brings his like his bicycle gang or bike gang with. They're on scooters. Actually, I I don't remember how they got there. There's a massive fight at the brothel. Mr. Lee turns up and he's just got out of hospital after another fight where he nearly died. This time, Mr. Lee is going in there to his death, really. But he's going to take revenge on the, the guy who attacked him. The principal gangster, yeah. uh, which he does, he ends up killing him, but he dies in the up on the rooftop. Great, a great standoff, I thought, and a great final. Yeah, battle. a fitting way for Mister Lee to go out because he's quite a, he, he he's quite a sympathetic character, I think. I, I I think maybe then it's supposed to be a moral tale, isn't it? About you know, don't run prostitution rings <laughs> if you're a schoolboy. <laughs> we well, would be if it ended there. What, what, what happens at the end?
0: Because yeah. it's the, end of the series. Okay, so Richard, this all ends as Greek or presumably a Korean tragedy. I'm imagining the two countries do it the same way. There's no holding back on how badly this all ends. Well, they can't. They can't let him get away with it, can they? They can't. Well, I mean, at this point, you know, he's be, he's been stabbed. He's in hospital. Yeah, uh, and uh, it seems like, like you're saying, it's it's the perfect little morality tale. Don't get involved in in, in the pimping, impinging. Really. I mean, if
1: in Grange Hill, Zamo had gone, yeah, all right, I'll try those drugs, and was, you know, developed a fierce habit. <laughs> How would that... But, but but you know, just carried on with life anyway, and was able to cope with it. That wouldn't have been the message they wanted to do in Hill, would it?
0: So what happens in the end? How does it all resolve or unravel itself? Well, it all comes to a head after the death of Mr. Lee. You know, the game's up, and the policewoman gets a confession from the young underage prostitute, Minhee, about what's going on. Yeah. At the same time, Jiso, from his conscience, decides to confess to her that he is the uncle, you know, he's the man,
1: he's the voice on the phone. And, of course, she's furious, you know. She's also devious, because uh, she's recording that conversation. Recording the confession, yeah. Presumably to give to the policewoman. He discovers this and pushes her down. Well, he struggles with her. He tries to grab her phone. St- and she slips, falls down some stairs. Down a tall flight of stairs. Brains herself. Uh, gets taken to hospital. But looks really bad, a lot of blood coming out. So maybe, maybe she maybe she never recovers. We don't know. Maybe she never speaks again. Who knows?
0: He takes a phone and Scarpa's. Meanwhile, her boyfriend, the school bully, has discovered all this. Uh, he's the bane of Jiso's life anyway. And turns up, just as Jisoo is trying to... Uh, turns up at Giso's flat, I think? Uh, and stabs Jisoo multiple times. In the kidneys or, or some sort of area. And there's blood everywhere. And vengeance taken, he disappears. Now, Guri has been a clever girl. Uh, she has documented Tyrim, her failed boy band, uh, little uh, prostitute documented all his activities. And he's now blackmailing her parents uh, for money to, to get out of here and, and, you know, escape the obligation of working for the family business, but having enough money to, 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 to lead a comfortable life and of course succeeds. Uh, so she's got enough money and buys a one way flight to Sydney uh, leaving a message to to her her, her starstruck lover uh, to come and join her. They have, in the meantime, started storing the proceeds of his business underneath the social studies club's uh,
1: sofa in some sort of teacher's uh, teacher's uh, teacher's office. Uh, yeah. But little did they know, the gangsters had put the money that, that, you know, part of the money that's in there. They put a tracker device in it so they could track down the money and rip off.
0: Who's now got the tracker? Only the police And so we get a situation where uh, she turns up at the school at the same time as uh, Giselle. And he he doesn't get his money. She takes the money, presumably. In any case, uh, the ending, it ends, I think, with a question mark, Richard, which is the policewoman turns up at his apartment having asked, which two students have access to this room apart from the, apart from the teachers who, whose whose office it was it turns up it is got a little apartment and there's blood everywhere and she follows uh the blood-stained the blood-stained the blood-stained stairs up up to the roof you know the hand the trail of bloody hands presumably somebody crawling up there uh, and finally gets there but there's nobody to be
1: seen and, and and the whole series ends no, on that cliffhanger. You hand. got that wrong Paul. Oh uh, is he's dead in the stairwell or at least very badly. Like he's not speaking or anything. And a, and Guri is next to him. She stayed with him. Uh, that's my recollection of the ending. I don't think he got away. You don't get away. You get stabbed in the gut. You're not you're not running out of there. You're not getting on a flight to Sydney. Why would Guri still be in the stairwell? If he wasn't there, she would have run away. No, nobody is there when the policewoman arrives. No, they're in the stairwell. G- they're not, not when she Curie arrives. Jury locks eyes with the policewoman when she goes around the stairwell. <laughs> well, this is her drive-by cinema first. and she's not a first. But we frequently disagree about what exactly happened. <laughs> this, uh, the, uh, advice.
0: Do not try to remember ten Ten episodes. For one podcast, maybe. Okay, so let's go now to scoring, and let's score the movies that we understood, rather (laughs) than the movie that actually was. Uh, So, on our based on our understanding, Richard, how did you feel about the plot?
1: I, yeah, I thought it was really good. It was pretty fresh, and uh, it was cool to see. The way that they wove this story about a a, a smart guy making his way, you know, getting things done. There's something going on with how they're treating and thinking about sex work. In their social studies class, one of the first things they talk about is sex workers and, you know, the legal status and stuff like that. And Minwei is portrayed as um, being very keen on the money, at least. And She's often like begging for jobs, and th- that's why she ends up going with that weird guy twice. But at the same time, she's also portrayed as being too young to really handle it. And yeah, I think the impetus for her going into the work is quite clearly, clearly expressed. She's insecure. Oh, she, it's about also herself. clouded, isn't it? Because uh, it, her aunt is sort of forcing her to do it. She lives with her aunt because uh. the older prostitute who's always snapping at them—that's her aunt, I think, isn't it?
0: I thought that was a really well-played minor part, actually. Uh, Yeah, so she's forced into it, but at the same time, she's insecure and, uh, you know, isn't the kind of girl who can uh, ride over peer pressure. Uh, And so, you know, wants to be seen as the popular girl, but maybe doesn't have the necessary nous to be that person. And so she tries to buy that with money. So that might not be why she's in the game, but it's possibly why she continues doing it is, you know, her own lack of
1: self self worth. Uh so I thought the characters were painted really well. But It's a very complex plot. It's mm. not a simple story told simply. There's a lot of layers to this, um, which I think is good. I did I I mean I thought the plot I, I was gonna say, I did feel a little bit like it was perpetuating some unpleasant stereotypes about sex workers. Yeah, I thought the plot itself... No, it's okay.
0: I thought the plot itself barreled along at a fair old pace. Uh, it was complex, and really the only detractor I have is that it relied on maybe a few too many coincidences. Uh, so I thought that jarred with the general realism
1: of the whole piece. But it's not very realistic, uh, is it? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, parts of it are sort of slapstick. Um Parts of it are played. I mean, the whole bit, the big climax fight at the end where all the the bully and all these gang turn up is like West Side Story-esque. When that bully guy is trying to impress his girlfriend Min, Minhui's birthday, he's got all of the guys that look up to him to do like a boy band dance number for him. Like out in the on the basketball court. Is that a realistic thing for young Korean men to do? Also, all this all his little all his little, little guys have to call him What's Dominus. That about? Is that is that like a Roman illusion?
0: So but I think it is played comically all that. Particularly as you say the
1: basketball boy band show for his girlfriend. But which ends in the hero being beaten up, properly beaten up, you know, in a nasty way. And I think Gyuri has to rescue him or someone has to rescue him. So, you know, it's again, it's one, another one of those mood whiplashes that, that, that snap you back. So plot-wise,
0: I, I liked it. I, I thought it, 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 it buzzed along at a fair old pace. There was a lot of textual... Sorry, textural variety oh, sure. in the plot, yeah. I should say, um, and the characterization itself was comic, but 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 uh, well developed. So I'm going to score it an eight for plot. I've got a feeling
1: you're going to score a little bit lower. No, I mean, well, I'll I'll go seven. I, I did like it. You're right. It it didn't. Like I say, I binged it and could have done it. Yeah, very really watchable. Yeah.
0: So, next one. How about mm. the acting?
1: I mean, I love Gyuri. Uh,
0: Park Joo-hun is the uh, very famous 26-year-old, 24-year-old
1: actor, actress. She was actress, great. 100%. No question. Uh, the lead guy playing Oji was less convincing. He was Kim, a, Kim I mean, he. perhaps his character was supposed to be kind of one note and reserved, but, uh, you know, he was a bit flat um, there were some very larger than live performances <laughs> particularly from the gangsters <laughs> uh, and some of the sub-supporting cast um, so uh, well, you know pros and cons let's go with a a six and I may be marking it low because perhaps some of it is a bit cultural that I don't quite get Park Ji-hun, who played
0: Yuri, uh the female the leap feed, female, I thought was really convincing. Uh, she really... You would really have got a sense of how she portrayed this serious and capable young woman. Uh, but yeah, the tenacity that she she portrays the character with is, is very convincing. I thought Oji-seo the lead. Uh, I thought Kim Dong-hee did a really good job with that. I thought... They, they both put both in very credible performances... Uh, I love the school bully. Uh, I thought he brought some humour to the role. Uh, Minhee, you know, our, our our vulnerable underage underage uh, night worker. She played the vapid, vulnerable, uh, almost down at heel character really well. There was a lot. There was a lot of quite naive and innocent hope that she threw into the character that I thought was very convincing and that contrasted with the, with the character's situation really well. So I thought the acting
1: was good, and I'm going to score it an eight. Um, so what other categories are we needing for a, t- a TV show about uh, child prostitution by, uh, by school kids with absent or unpleasant parents? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> tragicomic? How tragicomic was it?
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I, it was, I presume it meant to be tragicomic.
1: Well... This all hinges on the final scene of the final show Paul, which there's an intense disagreement about. But I think it's very tragic. Uh, so I'm gonna score it uh, an eight. I, I, I thought I thought we were taking on an emotional
0: roller coaster ride. It did it did hit me where it intended to. I'm gonna score
1: it a seven. And if you discover that he was dead, you'll give it an eight, I'm sure. Well, maybe for TV shows, we should have a bingeability factor. Oh, ten. This
0: is so bingeable, it's un- it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it really was, because... I almost
0: got sacked because of this, but then my company went bust, so so I didn't get sacked. Oh, phew. <laughs> Everyone got sacked. <laughs> um. If fact, I was like, phew, phew, that work I've not done for four
1: months... Nobody's ever going to know about it, <laughs> so it was a relief in a certain sort of way. Yeah, the nice thing about the multi-threaded nature of the story is there was always something you were keen on finding out what was going to happen. Yeah, uh, it's so overall. Very yeah, I'll give it a nine. Well, sorry, a nine. Yeah. Overall, I'm going to score this a
0: nine. It's a definite recommend. I think it's one of Netflix Netflix's finer moments, uh, and uh,
1: yeah, it's great. If you loved and miss. Grange Hill, and to a lesser extent, Degrassi High, I think you'll really enjoy Extracurricular. So, I'll give this an 8. Brilliant. (laughs) Well, Richard, we've got to that moment in the podcast where we have to
0: grudgingly accept our own choices for the next week. So,
1: what are you going to lay before me this week, Richard? Ah, okay. Here's the list of films I'm presenting to you then. Brilliant. We were talking about Escape Rooms after Fermat's Room. Yes. So I'm going to suggest the Escape Room. I think it's 2017. The Uh, first one. The first one, yeah. Of the current franchise. Of the current franchise. Because
0: there's a previous Escape Room also.
1: That's right, to confuse us all. Or, alternatively, a movie called The Den. Oh, okay. Well, it's pretty easy for me. I'm going to go for The Escape Room because I really want to watch it. Escape Room. Great choice, because I've already seen it. Well, forward to the next episode. Thank you for listening, everybody. Do join us next time for Episode 4 of Series 2 of drive by Cinema.
0: Until the next one!